Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we are in phase three of our book on uh, How to Be an Atheist by Dr. Mitch Stokes, who you've just watched uh, two weeks of uh, his uh, interview with us. And once again, we're thankful for him for coming on. And uh, uh, we also uh, plan on other interviews in the future as well. So we're working on that as well. Uh, but we're right now in part three, which uh, is kind of, I think, kind of the more fun chapter because, uh, as we were talking before the show, it seems like when we're talking to people about morality, it seems more impactful. That's, those are Tony's words, so I'm stealing them for, for this one. <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind so, of in-your-face stuff. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you either believe that there is morality or you don't believe and you slowly back away from the person who believes that there's no moral <laughs> yeah. standards. So. Yeah. So there's that. So, yes, uh, part three is called Morality, and so uh, we're looking at, at that. So uh, the title of chapter 11 is, If God is Dead, Is Everything Permissible? Which uh, I think is one of the um, arguments that people make who bring up this idea of, well, if you're an atheist, why don't you just go murder people? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Dr. Stokes uh, um, points out some uh, foibles with, with that uh, type of thinking. Uh, so he talks about here in uh, part two, uh, which is, I mean, really part three, but it is part two of the main two parts. Uh, he he gave his thoughts of some pretty good reasons for thinking that science doesn't show uh, naturalism is true, that God doesn't exist. But again, as we always said, Mitch Stokes does a really good job of just going, but let's assume that I was completely wrong yeah, and all yeah. these people are true. So he makes lots of concessions. Um, yes, right? yeah. absolutely. Which, which is nice because it, it just is able to drill down more into it. Yeah. So he says here in part three, I'll, I'll argue this. If atheism or naturalism were true, and if the realm of science were all that is or was or ever will be, then our common sense of morality is completely undone. He'll argue that if naturalism is true, then there is, then, then so is moral nihilism. And that uh, moral nihilism is this view that there's no objective moral standards and anything goes and you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So um, he'll also uh, uh, bring up topics like moral relativism, because morality is relative only to human desires or preferences, which I, I think will be an interesting topic, because uh, I think the first time we read that, we kind of um, had a good conversation on that. Uh, moral subjectivism, because morality, it seems to, to Dr. Stokes, requires a personal subject, someone to do the valuing. And the view that it also leads to is moral skepticism, because we have to, uh, because we can have no knowledge of objective moral standards. The reason being that there aren't any such standards to know. Right. So that, those so are the if, three things. Right. So if naturalism is true, he's suggesting it results in those types of things. <laughs> right. right. That there is no morality for all practical purposes, and therefore, um, you know, um, moral. Uh, where does it come from? Well, it's subjective. It's relative to the individual, perhaps groups or whatever, and we can have skepticism with regard to morality. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then what he does is he. Um, He says, let's begin our discussion by returning, not coincidentally, to the Enlightenment where many of the relevant problems began. And he he lists uh, several problems with regard to science and morality coming from the Enlightenment period. Um, First of all is the problem of uh, freedom. He tells us that um, 
uh, Immanuel Kant's overall philosophical project was to reconcile the new scientific picture, you know, of the world with apparently obvious facts that humans were autonomous moral creatures. So what's the issue here? Well, if indeed the um, Newtonian science is correct mm -hmm. and the world, the universe nature, all that is, works the way that Newtonian science describes it, then everything is kind of mechanical, right? Right. Everything works according to natural laws, and, you know, so you let go of the rock, it'll fall, and, you know, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Rock has no control over what it does. It just follows these various laws. Mm -hmm. So the question is then, what about us, right? We're physical. Yeah, we're physical, and uh, do so do, do we work according to the natural laws as the, uh, you know, the Enlightenment period and the Newtonian um, uh, science uh, suggests. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then we're not free. Just like the rock is not free to fall if you let it go, we're not free, right? And okay. so that's, that's what he, he says, after all, uh, we're comp all composed of the same stuff as everything else. Then it seems reasonable to suppose that we're governed by the same laws as all the rest of the stuff. But these laws are deterministic, right? They determine what's going to happen, right. right? That is, the laws of physics entirely determine or dictate the behavior of every bit of matter in the universe, right? And so if that's the case, then our behavior ought to be dictated as well. Sure. Right? Yeah, I mean, just think of uh, playing a game of pool, and you have the, the ball, it strikes the, the other, other balls, you can measure the force, the direction, where it hits it, and you can have a good articulation of where every ball on the table is going to go. In fact, I forget who said it, but uh, said that uh, if God was playing pool and he hit his first shot and all the uh, balls went into the table, we knew that God was cheating because we knew that that wouldn't be possible <laughs> unless the table was rigged or, or something along those lines. So, yeah. so uh, it, it was just strictly from a physics point of view um you can you can take you know known objects and known quantities and say here's the force here's the direction here's the acceleration and through newtonian mechanics which that's how you get rockets to the moon and asteroids and here and back again um you can make these um uh, futuristic claims right yeah and so the issue then especially for morality then if we're just naturalistic mm -hmm. uh Entities, right? right? Like everything else, all the rest of the stuff, he says. Then, uh, if you know our particular uh, behavior, just like the rock's behavior or the rocket's behavior, should be deterministic or be able to be determined as well. Yeah. Right. Everything that we do should should be um, determined. And if that's the case, then we're not free. And if we're not free, then how can we be morally responsible for what we do? Yeah. If we're we're molecules, so we're we're physical objects, and we're chemicals. So just our brain is just that thing that fires off that certain chemical, and we feel happy. So which is, again, all molecules. So uh, we should be able to uh, know when the stock market happens because that's a product of human interaction if we just have enough you know, information. Yeah. And there have been yeah. movies that have done that, like <laughs> like Pi, which yeah. is a really good movie. Yeah. So so um so just like the rock, we can't blame or praise the rock for anything <laughs> it does, right? It's just it just rolls down the hill. Yeah, just yeah. Op operating according to the natural laws. Yeah. Then we're not praiseworthy or blameworthy for anything that we do because mm -hmm. if indeed 
if that's the way things work, then that's just the way things work, and therefore we're not free, and so we're not. Yeah. Congratulations, you did a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> Something was done, and you know, yeah. Yeah. And that's it. It was it more, or was it free, or not? It wasn't free because it had to had to be that way. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's the first issue: freedom, science, and morality. Right. <laughs> if indeed science is the way that it seems to be, with regard to, as he says, the Enlightenment, especially Newtonian science, then it seems to bring into question our freedom. Right. And and this is something espoused by Sam Harris. Um, it, he 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 has this deterministic understanding of of life, uh, but yet he's he's he operates in the sense that he doesn't believe this mm. i mean he i i honestly believe that he he believes it but the way he acts the way he conducts his life uh is uh not congruent with the fact yeah, that it's really difficult yeah. to act that out right right to, in yeah. your behavior yeah and um, now we'll we'll see someone who came pretty close in a minute here in this chapter right yeah who tried to act that out right? uh, the, the, in terms of no morality because of this the, the, of there's there's an economist uh mises uh he he kind of uh, helped to develop uh, what's called praxeology, do humans act? And um, he, he at least had the understanding of, well, are humans free or de- de- deterministic? And he says, well, I just choose to act in a way that I have free will, even if it's determined. So <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a slight little joke, but um, but I think um, uh, Sam Harris kind of uh, embodies that as well. Yeah. Well, and then, and then the... Uh the scientist and uh, philosopher de Hobach argued that free will is just an illusion, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we just trick ourselves into thinking that we have free yeah. will. Do, right. do we freely trick ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then uh, the second uh, problem is what he uh, labels the experimental method. So uh, Hume has uh, his, his, his fork method. Um, so you either, uh, it must be grounded in uh, our, our all of science must be grounded in um, our experiences. We must see it, taste it, touch it, measure it, do something with it. Um, if you can't see it, then it's not science. So uh, it's either that or it's a relationship of ideas. Two plus two equals four. Um, you know, uh, you know, you uh, raise the pressure of a volume and the temperature decreases. I forget what all the up and down arrows are for that, but those things have relations. Um, so if, if that's the case, and again, we're, we're, we're physical beings and we're looking at Hume's fork here, uh, I am lying. Where does that fall within Hume's fork? So it either must be a fact. So I am lying. Is that a fact? Can I see it, taste it, touch it? Well, there are consequences for me stating that, that you can say, well, that doesn't match what you're saying. But I am lying and that is wrong. How do we measure the that is wrong part? Or how is it a purely relation of ideas? Right. It so, seems like it, it doesn't, if, if you're trying to eat soup with a fork, it's yeah. not it's not staying on. <laughs> yeah, so Hume's issue here is with regard to knowledge. He was an empiricist, right? Knowledge is based on experience. And so experience with regard to uh, we know matters of facts. Those are things that exist in the world, yeah, right? Brute so, facts. Yeah, brute facts that exist in the world. We experience those. That's how we know them. Or we know by relations of ideas, mm-hmm. right? And so those are the only ways that we know things, right. right, according to Hume. So the question then is, what about moral right. statements? How right? do you ever observe? Is a moral statement a matter of right. fact? Or is it that is something that, you know, exists in the world that as an empiricist that that's based, we base our knowledge on our experience. Can we taste it, touch, 
empirical experience, right? right? Our sensations. Do we taste it, touch it, smell it? <laughs> you know, what does lying taste <laughs> like, right? You know, if you tripped over it and stuff, would it hurt your toe, right? <laughs> is it a matter of fact, yes. something that we see in the world? Or is it a relation of ideas, right? Like mathematical concepts mm -hmm. or logical you know, laws and that sort of thing. It doesn't seem to be either. Right. Either of those. Can I do things. a probability that I will lie? Is that is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like that. So yeah. uh, he goes on to say that um, uh, we'll look at Hume's moral skepticism in a uh, in later uh, sections. Uh, but notice that science focused uh, science success forced Hume to seriously reconsider a common sense view of the subject that interests us above all others, which is how do we act? Why should we act in a particular way? And how do we have societal relationships? And that's, I mean, you know, great. We, we send men, men to the moon. That's great. But how do we conduct ourselves while on the moon? Right. You know, right. that, that's, that's kind of a untouched realm that, uh, that humans seem to um, uh, accidentally uh, not allow on his uh, eating utensils. <laughs> The third issue here, so we have the first issue is freedom, right? Science and morality with regard to freedom, if indeed the, uh, the, the world works the way uh, the, uh, uh, Newtonian science seems to, seems to indicate, then everything is deterministic and therefore we don't have freedom. And then secondly, science and morality with regard to the experimental method and how we come to know things, right? Mm -hmm. it, we come to know things just by our sense experience, right? I know this is a table because it's, you know, I can hear it, I can taste it, touch it, I feel it, all that kind of stuff. Or be, I know things by relation of ideas, right? Two plus two is four. Those are various ideas. We put those together and we can know those things. So notice, I don't have to go out in the world to double check whether two plus two is four, <laughs> right. right? It's just a relation. It's Once we know the definition of the terms, we can understand mm -hmm. you know, what's going Which on. Which is right? where our logic comes from. Yeah, yeah. right. So, <clears throat> so, but what does that do to morality, right? Does that mean then that morality, you know, is doesn't exist actually Hume says that it's just preferences it's uh, it's our feelings it's, <laughs> it's our emotions about things is really where he ends up with that kind of thing <laughs> the third thing is is atheism itself uh, itself right he says what's more as the enlightenment would uh, follow a path from science to deism to atheism the very idea of moral law the concept of morality itself required underpinnings right and so the task of grounding morality uh, became uh, the question of if you're in, led to atheism, uh, this particular, uh, you know, enlightenment path. So the question now is, how do you uh, ground morality, right? In other words, um, Judeo-Christian and Islamic, for that matter, morality is founded on a moral law. And therefore, if you have a moral law, one would expect a moral law giver, right? right? Like a universal concept of right and wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, this is often called the divine command theory. Um, and, um, and so the question is, the concept of moral law doesn't even seem coherent. Can there be laws without a law giver right. right so the task of grounding morality in something other than god is was part of the enlightenment project how do we <laughs> ground morality 
you know, if we take God out of the picture. I know. Uh, whatever is legal, that's what's moral. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great thing. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, let's, let's, you know. So whenever, by the way, whenever anyone talks about, uh, or at least uh, folks who are serious about morality talks about, talk about morality, you always, uh, somewhere in the conversation, get to Hitler and Nazi Of course, Germany. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's the one benefit that, yeah. that World War II ever got us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helped us to expose things there that we wouldn't ordinarily yeah. have even seen or yeah. talked about, right? Yeah. Right. So, you know, if it's just law, then uh, Hitler was fine. And so was Nazi Germany. Yeah. Of course, we don't want to say that. Or uh, whatever benefits the most number of people. Like, uh, you have Germany and, and the pre-war times, they needed a rallying cry because of what happened at the Treaty of Versailles and that, you know, it led to super hyperinflation and everything like that. So you had a rallying cry around the, the, the Jewish problem. And so you had people that kind of utilized and, and, and catapulted an economy based upon, you know, getting out the, the Jewish problem and also then stealing all their stuff, which yeah. is a great way to improve <laughs> the economy once, uh, once you have other people and you remove other people. Um, so even there, like, okay, well, who did that benefit the most? Well, uh, that's a the good thing, right? Of the people. The, the, yeah, is it might makes right? Is it the tyranny of the majority? Yeah, yeah. You know, or uh, you know, uh, if if we have to kill the the one baby to save all of humanity, is that is is that worth it? Well, yeah. you know, consequentialist ethics, I mean, uh, utilitarianism, all yeah, that so, kind of so, stuff. So so some exciting stuff here. Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you, <laughs> these are the fun, you know, the the trolley problem uh, question of of will you throw the switch or not? It right. depends on who's who's on the track, will I guess. You, will you push the fat man off? The, <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, these are the the the, the questions that have arisen from this Enlightenment project. That's of, right. Of how, how do you, you make, ground mm-hmm. morality right. if you don't have God? Right. right. Where's the ground? Yeah. So uh, Mitch Stokes tells us that he wants to argue then that given the very nature of morality, if God does not exist, that is, if naturalism is true, there can be no morality in the robust sense that we understand it. Morality, whatever else it turned out to to be, would be grounded in nothing more than human preference. Right. And really, that's where Hume uh, landed. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. You know. So even if we did come up with an answer uh, worldwide, and we said, okay, we've had the we we agreed upon uh, you know super awesome man's uh, explanation for uh, the trolley problem and the right decision to make there and. Uh, you know, who's the happiest and the legal system, all that summed up would just be human hu- human preference. Yeah. Because at any point in time, someone could be born and say, eh, I don't really like that. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so if you could convince enough people, right, to, <laughs> right. to have your preference, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just uh, a, even if you have a worldwide preference, it's still human preference. just that. Yeah. 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 All right, so uh, then Dostoevsky, which uh, I probably will murder that name a few dozen times. So him, uh, who uh, who came up with kind of this um, this uh, nomenclature that that uh, we kind of refer to, of if everything is permissible, uh, everything is permissible if God does not exist right. and man is consequently abandoned. Uh, so what Mitch Stokes is saying when if we have these issues these three issues that we've described and we say, okay, well, in the end, morality is not the case because we want to be atheists. Uh, we want to be, uh, uh, naturalists. Uh, we want to have no lawgiver. All these things were to happen. Dostoevsky says, if the, all those things were true, 
then what Dostoevsky says is, uh, God is dead, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Mitch Stokes kind of says, well, well, hold on just a second. Mm-hmm. While, while that might be the claim, uh, we need to kind of take a step back and says, does that follow? Does right. that follow from what we just described? Right. In fact, not only we can, but we will do all of these mean and evil and wicked things. Right, right. Yeah. That, that leads inevitably then to mm-hmm. doing all of these things, all of these right. wrong, bad you know, things. We're entirely free with mm-hmm. no God. Yeah. So there's no ethical constraints in either direction, is what he says, though. In fact, um, uh, that's what uh, Christopher Hinson's expressed in the concern that atheists are free if they so choose to become nihilists, sadists, slopsists of their own accord. Some theories of the Superman derive from atheism, and a person who thought that heaven and hell were empty could conclude that he was free to do exactly as he wished. The fear that this might be the outcome well expressed by Dostoevsky underlies many people's reluctance to abandon religious dogma. So he even says people adhere to religion because grounds the sense of of what we all want is we we understand we we kind of understand we give up a universal lawgiver that we kind of have this idea anything is permissible at this yeah yeah so the issue here then if god doesn't exist then we will do all of (laughs) these bad things right even i mean that's what this quote from hitchens is trying to Mm -hmm. say right if god doesn't it seems to suggest or at least dostoevsky seemed to suggest that we will do these Mm -hmm. bad things the question is is that the case and that's what uh, stokes he's not sure if that's the case. right and even dawkins in his q a's with christians will even say so all you're telling me is for for you to not murder everybody in here is uh the bible like, all right, everyone, we need to stay away from this person. This person's dangerous. They're they're a belief away from killing us all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, um, uh, he brings up Sartre and and says that um, his response uh, to conclude that intellectual honesty requires that we admit the incoherence of the Enlightenment project and live authentically, realizing the absurdity in attempts to justify morality. As we'll see, I disagree with naturalism requires that atheists muster their resolve to live authentically. Nor does naturalism require the atheists behave like beasts. But this is only because a purely naturalistic world would require nothing of us whatsoever. Right. So should we do this? Should we not do this? Whatever. The, yeah, in, in, a, in an atheist world, there is no should. Right. right? There's it's, no should. And it's there's just no, all actions, there's right? There's no should not. There's no ought. There's no ought not. Yeah. You can do whatever you'd like for whatever reason. There's nothing that says you should or shouldn't do. Right. So right. should you murder? Eh, what? I mean, if you want to, but yeah. you don't have to. Fact, even Is it even murder? Should you kill? Well, we do it all the time. We kill ants. We kill yeah. cows. Lions will kill other yeah. lions, to, lions yeah. to protect yeah. their food source yeah. and their, their children. So we should do the same. Yeah, there is no should or should mm-hmm. not yeah. if there is really what he's trying to get at with right. regard yeah. to this issue. Right? So it would be wrong of us to say that uh, um, that atheists behave badly because they're atheists. Just um, Just... I would say that if you're accusing Christians of, of doing the same thing, then we we actually have the ability to point to a source and say, are you living consistently within that standard? Yeah. And so yeah. when people say, well, Christians kill as well, right, but we can point to the fact like the Bible tells us not to murder, so we shouldn't murder. Yeah. And if a Christian yeah, does murder, they're right. living inconsistently with what they are claiming to adhere to. Right. So the issue is what grounds your moral pre- uh, prop- propositions, right. right? And he's suggesting 
uh, that there is no ground for moral propositions for atheists, mm-hmm. right? Because there is no should or should not, uh, because uh, an action is just an action, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, like the rock falling. Right. <laughs> so he asks, what's the big deal? Uh, why is all this fuss about moral realism, about objective morality, right? Moral realism says that there is real, true morality that exists, right? Why is this even an issue, he says? Why not simply accept the death of moral realism, that, you know, there isn't any morality? He says, we'll look at this more later, but for now, let's just notice that we, um, were we to concede that morality is entirely subjective, that is, dependent on human values, right? right? We'd at the very least have to give up the extremely strong intuition that horrific acts like rape, torture, murder are wrong regardless of what we think, right? Even Peter Singer, who is, uh, you know, a Princeton ethicist, uh, he says this, without the notion of an independent morality, uh, moral reality to back them up, however, claims made on behalf of these moral rules or principles can be no more than expressions of personal preferences, which, from the collective point of view, should receive no more weight than other preferences. I declare that the only ice cream to be made is chocolate ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Vanilla (laughs) is the best ice cream. Yes. Right. Why? Because that's what I prefer. Right. Right. Murder is the preferable way to get your um, point across, because that's what I prefer. As long as it's not me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So we see the problem with that. Yeah. So and and so, what happens to a person when they? you know, when they take hold and try to live this thing out. And I think that's the other quote that yeah. he has there. Yeah, right? this is a good one. So we'll we'll read the quote and then we'll attribute it to the, uh, the most proper of all authors. <laughs> uh, so this is the quote. Then I learned that all moral judgments are value judgments, that all value judgments are subjective, and that none can be proved to either be to be either right or wrong. There is no reason to obey the law for anyone like myself, who had the boldness and the daring, the strength of character, to throw off its shackles. I discovered that to be truly free, truly unfettered, I had to become truly uninhibited. Why is it more wrong to kill a human animal than any other animal, a pig or a sheep or a steer? Why should I be willing to sacrifice my pleasure more for the one than for the other? Surely you would not, in this age of scientific enlightenment, declare that God or nature has marked some pleasures as moral or good, and others as immoral or bad. In any case, let me assure you, and uh, my dear young lady, that there is absolutely no comparison between the pleasure I might take in eating ham as as the pleasure I anticipate raping and murdering you. Strong words. Yeah. Uh, that is the honest conclusion to which my education has led me after the most conscious, conscientious examination of my spontaneous and unindependent self. And of course, that was uh, Alexander the Great, or as we come to know him, uh, Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, that's a quote from Ted Bundy, right? Who says that, you know, hey, this is where he was taught. There is no morality, so it doesn't make any difference. It's whatever he prefers. Right. right? In fact, uh, society was inhibiting him to live his uh, best life now to to uh, not let him rape and kill people yeah. or possibly eat people. I think he was uh, talking about there, too. <laughs> All right, so the big claim then, he says, so the conclusion for which that uh, he wants to argue... Uh, is this, if naturalism, that is, that nature is all there is, mm-hmm. right? there's no supernatural and therefore there's no God, that right. kind of stuff. If naturalism is true, then there is no morality, 
right? Notice this is a conditional statement, an if-then statement. Mm -hmm. That's conditional, right? I'm only arguing that naturalism implies that there are no moral standards, no moral obligations, no right or wrong, no evil or good. Notice that the converse of this conclusion is that if there is such a thing as morality, then naturalism is false, right? And of course, if naturalism is false, then theism is true because you know, more than nature exists, mm -hmm. right? More than the natural world exists, right? Um, he says that uh, theism is necessary for morality, and that's really what he wants to get at uh, throughout this this next whole section of the mm -hmm. rest of the book, right? Theism, it really is the only way to ground the that yeah those yeah, claims. Yeah, yeah. That, that there theism allows for an ought or a should mm -hmm. to exist, right? Right, and and uh, atheism. He says, I won't be. Uh, I, 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 but I won't be explicitly arguing that there is, in fact, such a thing as, as morality, although I very strongly believe there is, nor will I argue for the, theos, the thesis that naturalism is false, and therefore I won't be arguing for the conclusion that God exists. These will be left as exercises for the reader, right? So if it's true that God exists is required um, for morality, then there are two paths for the naturalist to take, right? So if God God's existence is required for, for morality, then, and you're a naturalist, right? That is, you don't believe um, in God, that nature is all there is. He says there's only two paths for you to take. One is to concede that there is such a thing as morality, and therefore, you have to say naturalism is false, right? If, <clears throat> and so, you know, if, if morality exists, then naturalism has to be false. That's one. He says not many atheists will take this course. And he says, no, do I expect them to, right? Mm -hmm. The other path, he says, I think uh, proves to be just as untrodden <laughs> as the first, right? So the first one is, if you need God for morality and you're an atheist, then you have to say you no longer can be an atheist, right? right? <clears throat> but I really want to be an atheist, yeah, so yeah. I'm clearly not going to take that right. path. Right, so that's not the path you're going to take. So the second option then is... Uh, to maintain that atheism is true and then concede that there is no such thing as morality. morality. Yeah. Those are your options, mm -hmm. right? So either there is a either God exists and therefore there is a morality or God does not exist and therefore there is no morality. Those are those are your options. And of course he says a few atheists has ever accepted uh, this this particular. <laughs> Some have tried their best, right? Uh, you know, if we're to take Nietzsche and Sartre seriously, or at least common readings of their positions, such think thinkers have offered some version of, of moral skepticism, subjectivism, or nihilism. By the way, he wants to use all of these words when he's talking about these. Right, interchangeably. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. interchangeably. Uh, he says... Um, but he believes that atheists should, uh, in any case, in, in the spirit of sober skepticism, he believes that the atheist should be, at the very least, highly suspicious of our traditional views of ethics. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're an atheist, then you have to be skeptical with regard to whether or not our traditional views of ethics are correct. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, he's going to say, you should believe that there is no should or ought. Right. <laughs> you should believe that there should. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's in your best interest. That's right. It's logically yeah. consistent to, 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 to say that there is no should or yeah. ought if you're an atheist. Right? I, I will say, too, th this isn't um, this isn't like the theory that like consciousness arose like wetness arises from water. Because if you look at the, the other two areas of how we know things through, science and logic. 
So uh, we can't get around science. We, so, you know, it's it's rallying against uh, gravity. You know, right. you can shake your fist at it all you want, and unless you have some sort of technology that you know goes against it, then you're you're kind of stuck at the whim of the universe. And it's also not like you can put down the answer five to two plus two <laughs> and say there, that's what it is from right, now on. Right. You know, might right. makes right. That's but right. but this is an area where like that's even like if, saying you know the twenty story building and walking off and I don't yeah. believe in gravity. Right. I'm gonna step off yeah. the building and you know, I actually hit floor ten. So far so good. <laughs> Unless right? we do live in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so this isn't like oh the universe kind of just uh, wants us to do this and it's it's a product of the universe. Because we can we can go against our even uh, most sacred held beliefs if if we convince ourselves different. So it's not like shaking your fist at gravity or the answer four. Uh, th- this th- this if if you were to say that this is uh, that morality is kind of the product of nature. This is the one area where you can rebel against it and compl- be completely fine. Yeah, you might not be fine societally right. or you know. With your in your own internal monologue, but um, uh, th- I would say that saying morality arises out of the universe or some portion of it uh, would be uh, inconsistent, at least with the with what um, Kant was trying to do with his yeah. fork analogy. And, and again, I think we have to make the point clear because oftentimes when you when this type of argument is trying to be made, people are saying, "So are you saying that atheists then are just evil people and they always do wrong and they can't behave right. good?" Right. No, we're not talking about behavior. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the ground of morality, mm-hmm. right? If indeed. Uh, what he's trying to argue here is if indeed naturalism is true, then it seems to indicate that there is no morality. Not that people do, that atheists do evil, but there is no evil. Right. In fact, there is no good. Which, which right. is why, uh, after we kind of got used to presuppositionalism, how, how, how we're kind of discussing here, uh, we read uh, Hitchens' um, God is Not Great. And the very fact that the title of it disproves his own, <laughs> his, his own uh, sense of worldview, because what is great? Well, great, he means good. He means morally good. But and and um, I forget the name of the movie, but he did a series of debates with with Doug Wilson. I think there's a book coming out by the the same person. Or no, I'm sorry, there's a second part of that movie coming out by the director. Um, you know, uh, uh, Doug Wilson just kept hammering him of where's your where's your standard? By what standard do you claim that things are good or great or bad or you know? And you know, there's more issues with his book than than just that. But at the foundational level, God is not great. According to what standard is what you could come away with uh, asking at every single page that that he thinks are his points. Right. Yeah. And so his point then is, he says, when I say there is no morality, I mean that there is no objective right. morality, no morality that is independent of human beliefs and desires. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's what he's trying to get at here. And so uh, he quotes J. Uh, J. L. Mackey, who is, uh, you know, a, a famous uh, uh, well, he was authority in terms of morality. He says we need morality to regulate interpersonal relations to control some of the ways in which people behave towards one another, often in opposition to contrary inclinations. Right. I, I want the piece of cake and I don't want to share it. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's not what he says. But anyway, contrary inclinations. We therefore want our moral judgments to be authoritative for other agents as well as for ourselves. Objective validity would give them the authority required. So 
clearly everybody wants an objective morality yeah. to have that authority to say, don't, you know, take my, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, and let me clarify. Right. Let me clarify my initial statement by saying uh, uh, people have done terrible things who have been probably legitimately religious and Christian and all that. But I'm also saying, too, that uh, the, the, the entire world is rife with history of people who utilize uh, uh, religion and this objective moral standard to control people. And, and mm -hmm. he's, he's right. We need to regulate. We need morality to regulate interpersonal relationships to control some of the ways in which people behave like I don't want to get out of power. I want people to obey me. So I'm going to say I'm I, I, I speak on behalf of God and he says to do this or um, here's the kind of the divine uh, uh, divine uh, rule theory of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, divine uh, command theory. Yeah. yeah. But I, I rule because God oh, is, yeah. is the one that chose me and my mm -hmm. ancestors. And so you you have to follow me. And if you go against me. It's like you're going against God. Right, so, right. And so this cuts both ways. Yeah, it, it, it does cut both ways. But And I also think even today with kind of the uh, God is dead um, um, prevailing theory, especially uh, in a lot of Western culture, um, that's why you see a rise of um, personalities or uh, theories that come up and, and try and replace God with shoulds and oughts and um, authoritative figures. So it's not like a... Uh, you should be guided by this principle. It's you should be guided by me who uh, knows what's best for you. So elect me or trust me or something like that. So, right. so this this isn't a um, an either or Christianity is good or bad in, in the sense that it can control people. Um, we have to have uh, a, a grounding. Well, people who in, hold to Christianity. Right. We need to have a grounding in a source of that information. And we... Uh, as as Bible believing Christians get that from God's word, and so like the Bereans, we check to see what people say, and um, if uh, people are good followers of um, who they say that they claim to work on behalf of God with, then they'll uh, commend commend us for that type of behavior. So uh, when you meet anything, that is our standard. So our standard, our grounding, is in the Bible because that's the source by which God has revealed himself and right. his desires and, so, and, and so his personality yeah, to us. So, right, exactly. And so ultimately it's grounded in the character of God. Yes, yes, absolutely. Is, right? right. It's not in a book. Right. It's in the character of God right. revealed to us, or yeah. us in scripture. Yeah. So he says the philosophical view that there are human independent moral standards is called, as we saw earlier, moral realism. So we can say that the view that he's arguing for is this if naturalism is true then more realism is false mm -hmm. and so that's what he's going to spend his time in the next uh, uh several chapters right here dealing with, right right yep uh and i think uh, he's going to do a little um uh, kind of um laying the groundwork for our next chapter but uh we'll take that as it comes and so um we'll continue on so again we thank you for um checking out our uh, shows our uh, um, little vignettes that we do for each one. Continue to share, like, subscribe, comment, um, you know, um, get it out there on social media. And uh, we uh, thank you for watching us and joining us in our little book club. So thank you. All right. Bye.